What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you are locked in the Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network. Scout brings you some of the best NFL and college football news anywhere. And I'm sitting down here, as you can tell, still getting over the horse whisperer cold, as my wife calls it. So I'm sitting down here. I've got ice water in one hand. i got some Capri Sun, a cup of coffee, a bunch of cough drops, a wacky group of ingredients. So we'll see how we get through today's podcast. But a, I mean, there's a lot to go over. A very, very busy day up at Lambeau Field. And we lead off with first down, and that, of course, is the return of Jordy Nelson. And I should use the word, put the word return in, in quotes because he was back. But even as Nelson said, quote, we were running on air, nothing else going on, so it wasn't much. And he's right about that. While the offense was running plays at one end of the field, Nelson was on the other end of the field alongside uh, Titan Mitchell Henry, who's got a club cast in his hand, um, just basically jogging through plays with, with Henry. I think Eve Henry serving as a landmark or serving as a guy to run some combo routes with. But obviously, you know, as I talk to you today, this is the one-year anniversary of Nelson tearing his ACL. So, so that, I mean, yesterday was his first time on the field since then. I mean, no, no reason to rush the guy back and, you know, have him bite off more than he can chew, so to speak. So as Nelson figures that he'll do more as, he think, as this goes on, he says, quote, obviously we're progressing. Obviously, we're going to see how the body reacts. That's how it is every time you do something. But it felt good out there. I don't know what the plan is for this weekend or next, if it's going to be similar to what we did last week, or it'll be more. It's still in debate. It's a fluid situation of how everything reacts and how we feel. But certainly, it's, it's a, it was a milestone day for Nelson to get back out there. Did catch some passes from Aaron Nelson. Aaron Nelson, holy cow. Aaron Rodgers and the other quarterbacks. I mean, people ask me on, on Twitter and, and whatnot, how did Jordy look? I don't know. He didn't, he didn't really run. I mean, was, he was jogging. I mean, at the end of the practice, they have a 15-minute drill. It's called unit period where the offense runs through plays, and the only, quote, defenders are other offensive guys running a, a not even hardly a scout team, basically just serving his warm bodies out there. Um, at one point, Joe Callahan threw a deep ball to Nelson and, you know, Nelson didn't go. Nelson, it seemed like for, for a split second, Nelson wanted to go track it down, but then he backed off, and the ball sort of over his head for an incompletion. And then another one was a poorly thrown pass, and again, it looked like Nelson wanted to stop and jump for it, but thought better of it and didn't jump. So not much of a practice for Nelson, but the heck of a good first step. You mean a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, as the, as the cliche goes. So, you know, obviously the guy is not going to play on Friday night against San Francisco. Part of me wonders about the following Thursday against Kansas City. You know, Rodgers missed the first two preseason games, so it's possible that Rodgers and Nelson will play a series against Kansas City. I don't think so. I mean, honestly, what could just playing a series of football do? I, I, I don't know, but it's possible. Um, Nelson or Rodgers hasn't played the final preseason game since 2012. So not a lot of precedent for it, but again, there's not a lot of precedent for him skipping the first two preseason games either. So, again, good first step for Nelson. We'll see what he does today. 
you know, is a result of any, you know, knee soreness or, or I don't want to say aggravated something, but you know, the, the knee hasn't been tested like this in a long time. So we'll, we'll see how it gets through today, but obviously a step in the right direction for one of the premier big play guys in the league. And as Nelson has said all along, the only goal is to be ready for that week one game in Jacksonville. And, and look, there, there's almost three weeks until that game. But as I've pointed out here for podcast after podcast, time is running short. You know, including today's practice, there are three practices left, two games, and then the four practice lead up to the Jacksonville game. So, you know, assuming Nelson doesn't play in these preseason games, that leaves him seven practices to go from jogging through plays to being a full participant in practice. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But you know what? Look, I mean, look, if he's not ready to take a seventy snap workload at Jacksonville, I mean, it's okay. Let I me mean, this look. The Packers. September and October football matters, so I'm not saying it doesn't, but for Green Bay, the idea is to progress to the season. I mean, this is a team that, look, they're, they're assuming they're getting in the playoffs, and they want to be better in November and December and peaking in December going into January. I mean, it's no secret. I mean, look, look how these guys run the preseason. The MVP quarterback hasn't played yet. You know, Eddie Lacy's played a couple series. I mean, if they were full-blown trying to, Put you know throw all the eggs in the basket of getting ready for week one and being super sharp. You know those guys have play more. It's just, it's just not the way that McCarthy does things. He's looking to get these guys fresh for the regular season and then peaking when the time comes. So if if Nelson's ready for twenty snaps and you know basically two series against Jacksonville, you know so be it. You know maybe in the next week is forty snaps. That's fine. So I mean one more quote here from Nelson, kind of looking ahead at his. At his future, he says, quote, obviously we'll build into the team periods. And by that, he means 11 on 11 stuff. We should get plenty of that by the time Jacksonville comes around. We'll see what we do this week. But I assume, just based off a of normal progression, the next week we'll probably get into some competitive periods. And then Jacksonville. And this is the money quote here. I don't have any reason to think it won't be a normal week of preparation. And second down is the news made by Coach Mike McCarthy on Monday that J.C. Treader would be the team's starting center for the Week 1 game against Jacksonville. I mean, really, no surprise there. Look, Corey Lindsley, who's a heck of a good football player, and, I, and personally, I think he is the better player, hasn't put on his helmet and snapped the football since the January playoff game against Arizona. You know, other than a couple missed days of training camp due to a minor injury, Treader's taken every single snap with the number one offense through the OTAs in May and June and the June minicamp and the first few weeks of training camp. I mean, at some point, all those hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of reps have to matter. So they're going forward with Treader, who, you know, when I, when I asked McCarthy back in July if this is going to be an actual competition, he said he, he considered Treader a starter anyway by, you know, well, not actually not answering my question, but so... I think the, the, the lone surprise here is Treader's reaction. I mean, you, you know his history. As a rookie in 2013, he broke his ankle in a uh, fumble recovery drill during OTAs. 2014, he had won the starting center job. Third preseason game, suffered a knee injury. And that opened the door for Corey Lindsley to take over the starting job without a single rep, of, single rep with Rodgers heading into the regular season. But you know what? You would think a guy like Treader would be emotional, either you know, I don't want to say tears of joy, but, you know, to to exaggerate or even a fist pump and a yes. But no, none of that from Treader. He is he is Mr. Even Keel, which, uh, frankly, I don't know how you can do it, but he was, but maybe that's what makes him a good football player, too. He doesn't get, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. But as, as he said, there, this is the first step. This is about what goes on from here. It's about continuing to do your job and do it well. I don't think this is... 
Then he stops for a second. The end goal wasn't this. The end goal was to continue to play at a high level. I don't think the goal's been reached. As a team, we still have much more to accomplish. I'm excited to be a part of what I think this team can do. You know, Tom Silverstein from the Journal Sentinel asked a really good follow-up question, asking if what happened to Treader in 2014 was impacting his reaction to the news here in 2016. But you know, not, not even Treader would go down that road. Again, just focusing on the here and now. And look, I, I think he realizes that that Corey Lindsay is a heck of a good football player, and if he struggles out of the gate for a week or two and shows that maybe he's not powerful enough to go up against these big guys he's going to face on, on a week-to-week basis, that, I mean, they're going to have no reservations about Corey, making Corey Lindsay the starting center again. I mean, Lindsay's got two years of starting experience, and I don't think, you know, as much as the lineman and O-line coach James Campen like to talk about chemistry and continuity up front, I mean, I don't think it would be a, a big deal to insert Lindsay right back into this thing. So, you know, I think I think that's Shredder's attitude here. I mean, yeah, he's happy, but he knows there's a lot of work to be done because there's going to be a guy breathing down his neck as soon as he gets healthy. This segment of Locked On Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com and Scout.com. Scout's fantasy site is host of the World Fantasy Championships, and our fantasy insiders have helped a lot of people make a lot of money. And if your company is interested in talking to men between the ages of 18 to 44, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Packers is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. Email me at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com to find out more. On to third down, and that is fumbles. And it's a story that I wrote last night at packreport.com for our members there. Last year, James Stark fumbled five times, matching his total from his first five years in the league. Eddie Lacy matched or fumbled four times, matching his total from his first two years in the league. That total of nine fumbles was the second most for any duel in the NFL. And it was totally uncharacteristic for a Mike McCarthy coach team. I'm back to 2009, which had been Aaron Rodgers' second year as a starting quarterback when the Packers really took off on this run that they've been on. You know, since 2009, they hadn't had a running back fumble more than three times in a season. So that Lacey and Starks both eclipsed that number, I think, may have been a bigger reason as any whether it was a change of running backs, Coach. And I realize a lot of the emphasis in the backfield has been on Eddie Lacey's belly. But maybe the focus should be on the running back's hands. I mean, you, I mean Mike McCarthy does not put up with, with turnovers and they have nine fumbles from from running backs, it was, it was a major issue. Look, Starks had a terrific year last year, but he couldn't stay in the field because of the fumbles. I mean, he he went from at one point averaging about 30-some snaps per game late in the season, but then he fumbled, I believe it was against Detroit and Oakland, and that was basically it. He went down from you know, from 30-some a game to I think it was like 15. He basically got cut in half. You know, I, I, I talked to um, one of the guys talk, asked Ben Sermons about Starks' fumbles, and in, in, in a really good quote here, he said that Stark's fumbles were based on his running style. And uh, kind of goes law of the jungle here for him. He says, quote, talking about running backs, once they really start getting going and making all those strong cuts, what happens sometimes is their arms and hands go away from the body. I always talk about the guys as like a cheetah. When a cheetah's running full speed and he has to make those tight turns to catch his prey, his tail is all over the place because it helps him maintain his balance. You get some running backs like that. So I thought that was an interesting thing. I mean, look, just close your eyes. Look at James Starks run the ball. I mean, he, that's how he runs. He, he's, he's all angles, and he's a hard-charging downhill guy who makes cuts. And So you can see that. So from Starks' perspective, 
He's got to get more cognizant of when tacklers are coming and get that ball tucked away. So then I asked Ben Sermons about Lacey. I, I, asked, I asked Sermons whether it was the same deal with Lacey or if it was something else. And you know, Sermons basically said that for Lacey, it was fundamental issues. He says, some, he says, quote, some of it was just as simple as the nose of the football getting down as he got hit. Sometimes as running backs, you get caught with that. That's why we always trust keeping the ball high and tight and nose of the ball at your chin. So, look, this is a big deal. Where for, I mean, if you're a championship football team and you're going to be playing, you know, games in January where every position, every possession matters. I mean, you can't fumble the football. So, getting those guys back on track is going to be a huge key, not just to right out of the gate, but to, to the to long-term success of this year's Packers club. And finally, fourth down, I went to you, the fan, to get some of your questions. On Twitter, you can find me there, at Packer Report. Leading off is Chase Polzine asking, if Hundley is hurt for the opener, will they keep Callahan or Williams on the roster, or will they bring in someone off the street? And I think they're just going to go with Callahan because he, he knows the offense, he knows... He knows the language. He knows the plays. He knows his teammates. And look, you know, you know Ted Thompson's history here. I mean, there are, there are obvious exceptions, but by and large, he he goes with the young guys. It's it's young guys, young guys, young guys. And you know, it, you know, maybe it's a different deal if if they find out Hundley's going to miss like the first month of the season. But I mean, if it's a game or two, I think they're just going to go with Callahan and look and, and put yourself in the veteran quarterback shoes here too. If you're a veteran quarterback and you think you're good enough to play. Are you going to sign with the Packers knowing that once Brett Hundley gets ready, that you're going to be back to the number three or maybe be released altogether? So I think I think there's some of that there too. So I, I, I think they go with Callahan. I can't believe I'm going to field this question from Hallis Bear Report. What is, he, what is he talking to me for? Shouldn't he follow his own team? Anyways, he wants to know if Adams will fade or will he finally put it all together? And that's a terrific question. It really is because... I would say there hasn't been a guy in the practice field make more sensational catches or maybe even make more plays in general than Devontae Adams. But, you know, maybe other than Janice, I don't think anyone's dropped more passes than Adams has either. I mean, he dropped one yesterday. wasn't a great pass. A crossing route. The ball was may- maybe at his waist, maybe a little bit below. But he just dropped it. And, and that was a problem last year, too. I mean, the it's the... It's the consistency. You know, Mike McCarthy always wants consistency, and to this point, Adams hasn't shown it. When he's good, he is really good, and when he's not good, you're wondering, man, they should put Devontae Adams on the bench and replace him with Jared Aberderis or Ty Montgomery. The Reverend Ralph wants my take on Carl Bradford's resurgence. I can't see how he, in all caps, doesn't make the final 53 at this point. Well, I can. <laughs> I, 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 I cut on my mind. We went over this yesterday. He's one of my final few cuts, and this is why I like doing the roster projections. It's For me, it's not a matter of saying, ha-ha, I got 50 out of 53 right. No, for me, it's it's the process. It's 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 easy to say that Joe Blow should make it on the roster. Well, I think it's it's a better exercise to actually put all these guys in the roster and, and, and figure out if you actually can get all these guys in the roster. And I, I, ran out of, I ran out of room for Bradford. I Remember, at this point, you can have 55 if you keep Goodson and Pennell because they're suspended. Well, I got the... I got down to 58 pretty easy, and Bradford was one of those guys on on that bubble, and I ended up going with Joe Thomas over him because just because Thomas has proven he can play. You know, Thomas didn't win many games last year, but I don't think he lost many either. And he's proven he's a proven special teams guy. He and he looks like a better player than he was last year. And 
you know, if, if I'm Ted Thompson, I, I would like to find a way to keep Bradford on, on, the, on the roster because, look, you like guys like this. I mean, let me, he put up a, something like 26 and 40 TFLs in his final two years at Arizona State. The guy can play football, and it's, and it's you know, it, it didn't pan out as a pass rusher for him. But if you can play, you can play. And it finally looks like that he's found a happy medium needed an inside linebacker where you can't be super aggressive like you could be, like he could be in college as a, as a edge defender, pass rusher kind of guy. But you can't read, read, read either. And he's finally, it seems like he's finally found that middle ground. And he's had a terrific training camp. He's on some of the number ones on special teams. But is there room on the roster for five inside linebackers behind Barrington, Martinez, Ryan, and then it's Joe Thomas and Carl Bradford for number four. And finally, Prince Paul from Milwaukee wants to know if there'll be any breakout players this year or rookies making a huge impact. I'll start with the rookies. I think that's an easy one. With It'll be Blake Martinez, who, I mean, other than splitting the every down role during those first few days of training camp, he has been the every down inside linebacker for basically all of training camp. I like the guy. You know, he's smart. He's athletic. He's around the ball. And I just like how he's how he goes the extra mile. I remember one of the super hot days of training camp at the very end of practice, they had an onside kick drill. Drill ends, everybody takes off their pads and goes in. And there's Martinez asking Crosby to kick him a few onside kicks. I mean, it's just stuff that I like that that makes me think he's really going to be a hit because he's a good player, but I mean, he gets it. He, he, he knows there's work to be done and he's, he's, he wants to max out his potential. I, I really like that in him. And for the breakout players, I'll go with two defensive guys, and they're big name guys at that. Ha, Clinton Dix, a third-year safety. I think he's going to have a huge year. In two regular seasons, he's got three interceptions. In two postseasons, he's got three interceptions. He's, he ranks number two among active safeties and in interceptions. He's had a terrific training camp, and I think this is the year where he becomes, if he's not a Pro Bowl player, he'll be mentioned as a Pro Bowl-type football player. And whether it's being physical, hitting guys, or or having that speed to break up, play, break up passes in center field. I mean, he's your guy. He's, he's going to have a great year. And finally, the other guy would be Quentin Rollins, the second-year corner. You know, he got, he's always around the guy. Here's another guy that's always around the ball, which is, you know, part instincts, part, you know, knowledge of what the offense wants to do. And what I like about him is he'll hit you to him. He's got a chance to be the total package at defensive back. And, well, Damaris Frandel was the first-round pick in, in – has, has shown plenty of signs of being a really good starter. For some reason, I think Quentin Rollins might have the most upside of this bunch. And that'll do it for today's episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out the rest of the Locked On Network, as well as check out my writing at PackerReport.com. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it, and have a great day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you by wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.